series today, a little short three-week series called What to Expect When You're Expecting, and we phrase that, we name this series that as a result of the fact that this is a top-selling book that's been on the bestsellers market or a bestsellers list for years and years and years, um, what to expect when you're expecting. Um, simply put, when somebody gets pregnant, then they're expecting. And while you're pregnant, you need to know what to expect when you're expecting. Brooke is pregnant, and so we need to know what's going to happen, what do we need to expect as she's expecting to have this child. And the same thing is true for prayer. Once you're pregnant, your life is going to change. And something is coming, right? The same thing is true with prayer. Once you pray, it's out there and things are going to happen as a result of your prayer and you need to know what to expect while you're expecting, while you're waiting, while you're anticipating God to answer your prayer because we serve, worship, love a God who loves to answer prayer, who delights in answering prayer. And you need to know, what do I need to expect? How do I need to wait well while the answer's coming? So, two weeks ago, we talked about um, don't assume when God's going to answer your prayer. And we looked at the book of Daniel and how Daniel prayed. And his prayer was answered the first day he prayed. But he had to wait for 21 days for the answer to show up. And maybe that's you. Maybe you've prayed and you're like, where's the answer? Hey, it could be on the way. Keep praying and wait well. Last week, Kaylin talked to us about how we need to not assume where God is going to answer our prayer, right? God's a God of geography. So often as people would pray and he'd say, okay, I'm going to answer your prayer, but the answer is over here. So come over here to find the answer. And sometimes over here is literally he wants you to go to a physical place. And sometimes over here is like he needs you to change the way that you think or change the way that you feel about something until you see the answer. So don't assume where, don't assume when. And then today we're going to talk about don't assume how. Don't assume how God's going to answer your prayer. Why not? Because God is God and we are not. And if I assume how, where, and when God should answer my prayer, that's saying that I know better than the creator of the universe. That's pride. So don't assume these things. Why shouldn't we assume these things? Because we have an enemy, a spiritual enemy, the devil and thousands and millions of angels that are down on this planet, um, his servants that love to mess with us and discourage us, and your enemy, the devil, he will take advantage of any incorrect understanding that you have about who God is and how he works to hurt you. I'm going to say that again. The devil will take advantage of any incorrect understanding that you have about who God is and how he moves in order to hurt you. So we need to know how prayer works. We need to know that we shouldn't assume where, when, or how God answers prayer. Because if we do make those assumptions and we're wrong, the enemy will use it to hurt us. So, let me ask a question to get the sermon rolling today. Has anyone ever lost somebody? Anybody had a grandmother or a parent pass away? Dog? I don't care. All right. You, sir, in the blue with the Y, who did you lose? Your grandma passed away? I'm sorry that happened. Was that tough stuff to deal with? Yeah? Who else? Who lost somebody? What do you got in the red? You lost your grandpa. Tough stuff. Hard to deal with. Lots of questions. Who else? Who lost somebody? You lost a friend. I'm sorry, honey. That hits close to home. You expect to lose your grandparents. 
You don't expect to lose your friends. Second question. Um, has God ever done something in your life or around your life that you just didn't understand? Has anything ever happened in your life that you're just like, I don't really get that. Why did that have to happen? Has anybody had a moment like that ever in their life? Did I ask the question appropriately enough? You, sir, what's your example? Yeah. Be bold. You can do it. I can't hear you. Say it again. What'd you say? The fact that you have to move. Oh, I hate that. You get all comfortable and you make friends and you get plugged in and then boom, you got to get up and you got to move. And that's not like your choice as kids, as students, as teenagers, that's your parents' choice. So it's like that's tough. Moving is a great example of when things happen that we feel like that's, that's brutal, that's hard, I don't like it, but what am I going to do? Um, I'm raising my hand because I'm answering yes on this question, so I'm setting your example, like don't be ashamed of this, but has anybody ever been angry at God? Yeah. Jocelyn, how come? He says no to things that you want. And in your multi-year faith, have you seen that the things that he says no to from time to time, that it's actually good for you that he says no? Absolutely. Anybody else had God say no to them or been angry at God for something? Did I see you raise your hand? Yeah. Yeah, this kind of works on multiple levels. When people die, it's common to get angry at God. I think all of us have a story where we can answer yes to these things. I've been angry at God. He's done things I don't understand. I've lost somebody. Um, I say good to that. I say if that's you, then you are in the right place this morning because we are going to talk about that in this sermon. So today we're talking about the danger of assuming how God should answer your prayer. You say a simple prayer and then you assume this is how he's going to answer, but God might have bigger and better and grander plans. So assuming you know how he should answer You could be setting yourself up for disappointment. You could be setting yourself up for some hurt. The enemy could be just lurking, waiting, that you have to wait too long, or you assume where, how it's going to happen, and it doesn't happen the way that we think, our finite human minds think, and the enemy's like, ha, 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 right in the face, or lower, where it hurts more. Nope, inappropriate. So, this sermon hits close to home for me, because I recently, this year, assumed how God should answer a prayer that I prayed. And it hurt me a lot. Um, I hurt myself a lot. The enemy was right there saying, he doesn't love you. He doesn't like you. You missed it. You blew it. And it just made me want to run and hide. Um, As a pastor, and you guys know that once you become a believer, you're all pastors too. You're all ministers and ministers for the ladies for the Lord as well. But as a pastor, we're called to live our lives on display. We are supposed to exhibit and walk in a constant state of honesty and authenticity and vulnerability. Um, And during Freedom Weekend, if you were here in January, um, after months of praying and waiting, we announced on Saturday night, I think, maybe Friday night, that we were pregnant with a son, Canaan Joshua, and that pregnancy came as a result of many months of prayer. And I remember when we announced it, like all of you just erupted in cheers and clapping, and it was just a really joyous 
moment as we announced that we've been praying for a son and we just found out we're pregnant today and we're announcing it to you guys and everybody was happy for us and with us. And we thought we were done having kids before this moment. We had Wyatt, we had Charlotte. It had been six years, because that's how old Wyatt is, since we'd had a baby. And we thought we're done having kids, but then this guy, Grant, one of our former small group leaders, comes out of the woodwork and says, you're going to have a son in two years. And we're like, what? And I'm like, shut, shut up, shut, no, we're done. But Grant said this thing, and it was prophetic, and it was powerful, and we prayed about it, and we're like, I think he's right. And then um, Brooke's hormones. Brooke's hormones have been on the fritz for a long time, and it really wrecks havoc in her system and with OCD that she wrestles with. Um, she was developing cysts on her ovaries, right? TMI, maybe, I don't know, but it's just the way it was. And she was in constant pain, and these cysts were exploding inside of her out of the blue. She'd just be at the grocery store and just be like, oh, like, can you imagine? I'm so glad I can't. And this doctor said, right, we felt like the Lord said maybe it's time to have a baby, but then the doctor said too, if you get pregnant, it might wipe all that out. It might reset her hormones. It might make the cysts go away. Apparently, every time a woman gets pregnant, it totally rewires her reproductive system. So every time you have a kid, you have a whole new thing going on down there, right? Did you guys know you were coming to health class today? You are. I have diagrams. No, I do not. All right. So we prayed and we asked the Lord, are you really asking us to have a kid? We got this word of prophecy. We got a doctor themselves saying this. We're feeling like maybe we do want a kid even though we said we were done. And when we prayed, I opened my Bible to this passage in Jeremiah and it says this, the Lord will cause something new to happen. A woman shall compass a man. I sat down on my quiet time and I said, God, are we supposed to get pregnant? And I opened it straight to this story, straight to this sentence that said, the Lord will cause something new to happen. A woman shall compass, shall surround, shall have inside of her a man. And this is prophetic word about a woman getting pregnant with a boy child. God, am I supposed to get pregnant? Well, I'm going to have you open to a passage in the Bible about a woman getting pregnant with a boy. Well, that sounds like a yes to me. And so I told Brooke that that night, and we started trying, and we found out, boom, we're having another baby. But I announced that to you guys at Freedom, and you erupted in celebration with us the day we found out we were pregnant. And one week, two weeks later, I had to write this Facebook post because it was too hard to talk to you guys about. And I read this to you guys a couple months ago, but I'm going to read it again. This is on our social media page. I wrote, Dear Friends, Forgive the sensitivity of this post. I just don't have the right words. So I'll just share an excerpt from my quiet time yesterday. January 25th, 5 p.m., back porch. Good afternoon, Father. Thank you for today. And thank you for these few hours alone with Brooke. And thank you that she is sleeping now. You know, after our difficult pregnancy with Wyatt, that we decided we were done having kids. But then this summer, you placed the promise of another son in our hearts, and when I asked if we were indeed to try for a third child, you led me to Jeremiah 31, the woman will compass a man. And so we tried for a third child, and a new thing happened. And by faith, we named him Canaan, Joshua, and for the past six weeks, we have enjoyed the fruit 
of your promise as brook has surrounded our little man. But last week, Brooke started bleeding. And today, we learn the sad news, Cain and Joshua is gone. And it seems that the little boy that you moved us to name for the promised land simply couldn't wait to get there. As a result of that, at least, I'm thankful. I'm thankful that Canaan will never get sick, that he will never break a bone, that he'll never have to go to the dentist, that he will never know hurt or hurt another or sin in any way. And I'm so thankful Canaan is with you, but we are so sad that he couldn't spend more time here with us. And we knew this was a possibility going in. We knew what verse 15 of Jeremiah said. There was a cry heard in Ramah, deep anguish and bitter weeping, Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted for her children were gone. We knew the risk, but we went in anyway and we followed you because you are God and we are not. Because we live by faith and not by sight. Because we know that you never call your children into pain without a purpose. And so we weep this weekend and we anguish and we slowly look for your purpose in this together. How would you have me walk through this, Lord? And then there on my back porch, I open my Bible again and I open to 2 Samuel 12 as I'm asking God, how should I walk through this difficult moment where my wife just lost a child? How can I be a good husband? And I open straight to this page in the Bible in 2 Samuel 12. Is the child dead, David asked. Yes, they replied, he is dead. And then David got up from the ground, and he washed himself, and he anointed himself, and he changed his clothes, and he went to the tabernacle, and he worshipped the Lord. After that, he returned to the palace. He was served food. He ate. His advisors were amazed. We don't understand you, they told him. While the child was still living, you wept, you refused to eat, but now the child is dead, and you have stopped your mourning, and you are eating again. And David replied, I fasted and I wept while the child was alive, for I said, perhaps the Lord will be gracious to me and let the child live. But why should I fast now that he's gone? Can I bring him back again? I will go to him one day, but he cannot return to me. And then David comforted his wife. I kept praying, you are God. You are good. We love you. We trust you. We look to you. Do not let our weeping hinder our worship. Redeem our suffering. Reward our faith. Refresh our hearts. Heal my bride. We thank you for the hope that we have in you, Jesus. Thank you for the gift of Canaan Joshua. And thank you for the assurance that we will see him again. And that was my prayer on January 25th, the day we found out that Canaan had passed. I can't explain to you guys the pain and the disappointment um, that we felt that day and for many days afterward. 
Uh, I feel it right now just talking to you guys about it. It is not what we expected. It is not what we wanted. And do you see the danger that we were in in that moment? Because we assumed how God should answer our prayer, and we were way off. Um, When things like this happen, it makes people, it results in people, they, they stop praying altogether. Maybe you know somebody who's been hurt, and they blame God, and they just don't even come to church anymore. Maybe you know somebody, and maybe it's you that has just been so angry at God, they've literally just cursed his name. Things like this make people either run from God or they run to God. There's really only two decisions. One or the other, that's how we respond. When life happens, when hurt happens, we can either run from God or we can run to him. So, a question for you to consider, and if you have pen and paper, grab them now. But God wants to do some work for you today, so this is the part where you get into your mind what, what that might be. But is there anywhere in your life that you've ever been discouraged and you blame God? It's okay if the answer is yes, but like own that. Admit that. Be honest with God about that. Is there anywhere in your life you've ever been discouraged and you're like, it's your fault, God? Just be honest. Write it down. Maybe discouraged isn't the right word. Is there anywhere in your life you've ever been disappointed and you blame God? Or you're just flat out disappointed in God? How come you don't show in my room and like answer prayers in person? Like that disappoints me. I get it. I feel that way sometimes. Just own anywhere you've been discouraged or disappointed. Is there anywhere in your life that you've just been devastated? Like your heart just feels like it was ripped out of your chest and you're like, why'd you let that happen, God? Or why did you do that, God? It's okay. If the answer is yes, just own it. Be honest with God about it. Write it down. Question number two. Are you somebody like me? Have you ever assumed when, where, and how God should answer your prayer and then that didn't happen and it hurt you? I have and that's okay. Because God wants to minister to us this morning about that. Have you ever prayed and you feel like your prayer went unanswered? Or or the opposite happened. I mean, we were praying for a baby and he died. It's the opposite of what we wanted, what we expected, what we assumed. If you have a story or a moment like that, it's okay. Be honest with God about it. Just jot yourself a note. Yeah, this. And we're going to move on. We had lots of questions for God those next few weeks. Um, What's the deal, God? You you said have a baby. You said that this would be something you use to heal Brooke. You told me when I asked you for a verse for the year, which is tattooed right here on my forearm, that this would be a year of life and fruitfulness, and now Canaan is dead. What is going on? I had a lot of questions for God. I had a question like, why did Canaan die? And it's times like that and and at that time that that a sermon that I listened to when I was younger um, comes to mind. There was this guy named T.D. Jakes, and he's a pastor up in Dallas, and he was preaching at this conference I was at, and I don't remember anything that he talked about, but I remember this one thing that he said. I hope I say something one day that God uses to remind you that one thing Pastor Justin said. But this is the thing that he said that I'm reminded of when I'm in a tough spot, and it's this. If you're having a hard time hearing from God, just go back to the last thing you know he said. 
say that again. If you're having a hard time hearing from God, just go back to the last thing that you know he said to you. Um, I was having a hard time hearing from God, and I needed to go back to the last thing that he said. I was wanting answers. I was wanting something from God, and I was having a hard time getting it, so I needed to go back to the last thing that he said. It, it reminds me of my kids. Nearly every night, we're sitting around, we're having dinner, and my kids just bounce over to me, and they're like, can we get a popsicle? Can we get a cookie? Can we have some ice cream? Show me a picture of my kids. Look at my kids. Aren't they so cute? Oh, they're squishies. And they pop over to me with these big, beautiful smiles. And they're like, can I get a popsicle? Can I get some ice cream? And they will ask us over and over and over. They'll ask us ten times in a row. And I just look at them quietly. And I smile as they ask me this question. And I wait for them to remember. I I wait for them to get it. Can we get a popsicle? Can we? And I just look at them and I smile because I love them and I wait. And then like a light just goes off in their mind. They're like, oh, wait a minute. You said we have to finish dinner first. And they finish their dinner and they get dessert. They finish their dinner and they get the popsicle they wanted. They remember, daddy already told you that if you want a popsicle, you got to finish your dinner. And that might sound like a simple illustration, but you guys, we are God's kids, and we do the same thing. We ask for things, we ask things, and God is like, I've already told you what you need to be working on right now. You've got to finish your dinner. You've got to do this thing that's good for you first, and then we'll talk about this other thing. Then you can have this other thing. Because look at those kids. I want to bless them. I want to give them what they need. Sometimes they're asking for stuff that they want, and they're not ready for it. So they got to finish their dinner, or do their chores, or brush their teeth, or whatever that thing is that they need to do that's good for them, that's protecting them, or their little teeth. And I wonder, is that you today? Have you been asking God for something? Or have you asked God for something, and nothing happened? Silence. Well, I will ask you right now, between you and the Lord, just, just right now, just picture yourself in the throne room of God. You're standing before him, and you're just, I've asked for this, and it hasn't happened, and I want you to just ask the Lord, okay, what's the last thing I know you said to me? What's the last thing I know with confidence you told me to do or be, where to go? Has God asked you to do something already, and you're asking him for what's next, but you haven't done what was first? I have been your pastor for five years, whether you know it or not. I've been waiting for you to get into this ministry. And I will tell you what the students that have gone before you, the students that have come, will come after you, and what you yourselves ask me and pray to me and confess to me over and over and over, month after month, year after year. Man, that sermon was so good, and I just feel like God is convicting me. I know he's speaking to me, and he wants me to read the Bible every day. And you will come, and you'll confess that to me. You come to me, you come to your small group leaders and you confess, I know that I'm supposed to forgive my mom. I know I'm supposed to tell my father I'm sorry. You guys come to me, you come before the Lord over and over 
and you're like, I know I'm supposed to tell my friend about Jesus. I know I'm supposed to invite so-and-so to church. I know that God told me this morning, in the, like I heard his voice, and he said, stop giving in to temptation. What is the last thing that you know God told you to do or asked for you? And question two, have you done it? Have you stopped giving in to temptation? Have you picked up this beautiful, holy, perfect book, and are you reading it for like 10 minutes a day? If God asks you to do it, and you're asking for other things, but you didn't do it, then go back to the last thing he said to you, and just do it. It is good for you. There are blessings on the way. You do that first thing, not because you have to earn it, but because God asked you to, and it's good for you. You do that first thing, and boom, popsicles for everybody. God is literally waiting to bless you, but he's waiting for you to do the thing that you said to him, I will do it. Um, when Canaan died, I had a hard time hearing from God. And my grief was just too big. It was so right here, I couldn't see past. And I remembered that quote, go back to the last thing he said. So I did, I went back to my journal where he said, get pregnant. And I read that verse, Lord, are we supposed to get pregnant? The Lord will cause something new to happen. A woman shall compass man. Okay, well, there's the answer. That's the last thing you said to me. A woman will get pregnant. It'll be a boy child. But did it say that she would give birth? It did not. It never said that. I assume that, and it's an obvious assumption, but it did not say that. In fact, just a few verses later, It said, there was a cry heard in Ramah, deep anguish, bitter weeping, Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted for her children were gone. The scripture that God led me to that said, get pregnant, said, the baby died. It was right there the whole time. I just assumed that that wouldn't be the case. And I looked at that and I just realized, man, Canaan was always destined for a one-way ticket to heaven. And that's really a beautiful thing if you think about it. But we really, and I really hurt myself, assuming that we would give birth. But all God ever promised me was that Brooke would get pregnant. And you guys, she did. And the doctor said that in order for Brooke to be healed, in order for those cysts to go away, that all she needed to do was get pregnant. And she did. And you know how many cysts she's had since then? Zero. God kept his promise. We got pregnant. So where's the lesson for you? In, in what happened to us? Where's the good for us in what happened to us? Well, the lesson is right here and now. It's, it's happening this moment. If you are hearing what I'm saying and you're picking things out and God's convicting you of stuff, you are learning from what we have walked through. But I will tell you the good that has happened for the Ulmer family in all of this. Here's good thing number one. Because of all of this mess that I still, I don't fully understand it, you guys. This is life and death stuff. This is bigger than my paycheck stuff. But because of all of this, I have a son in heaven right now. And I have never met him. But when I show up there one day, he will be right behind Jesus saying, Hey, Dad, what's up? Let me show you around. And that will be a joyful day for me. I have a son who never sinned, who never got sick, who never hurt anybody. I was never too hard on Canaan. 
and I'm often too hard for my kids. I kind of want to go home and spank them today for stuff that happened last night. That's another story. When you see them later, just be like, ooh, child. Um, do you know that every night that we pray, my kids, my kids, Charlotte and Wyatt, send kisses to Canaan, their brother. They've never met him, but they know they have a brother in heaven. That's good news, you guys. Thing two, because of all of this, that Brooke and I are now and have already begun to be able to minister to a whole new group of people that we could not reach or speak to with as much understanding as we can now. Um, Hard things happen for a reason. God walks you into pain for a purpose. Bailey Theaker, my friend, sent me this text this week, and I just keep reading it over and over. There is no special honor in preaching. There is only special pain. The pulpit calls for those anointed to it as the sea calls its sailors. And like the sea, it batters and it bruises and it does not rest for to preach, to really preach is to die naked a little at a time and to know that each time you must do it again. You guys, as believers in Jesus Christ, how can we reach the people around us who are going through loss, suffering, pain, guilt, shame, unless we ourselves have experienced it firsthand? I can't minister to somebody who's lost a child or a loved one, but I can now. Because I know their grief and I know their pain. And I know that Jesus is good. Jesus had a better plan. It is okay that Canaan is gone. Because I will see him again. And I can minister maybe hopefully to some of you. Maybe I'm doing it right now. Who have lost somebody. Because God is good. Next thing that we enjoyed from all of this. That has been a blessing and good in all of this. Is that. Isn't it possible that Brooke has been healed? God said, get pregnant. We did. Doctors said, just get pregnant. We did. Um, Isn't it possible that we asked for that healing and it has come? We don't know yet, but I have faith. I believe that it's possible that the healing we've been praying for is already in process. And that's amazing. This has been healing that we've been praying for for years. Isn't it possible that it's already come? Another good thing is that as a result of all of this, we are still pursuing another child. We thought we were done, but we're still praying about it. We're still pursuing it. And it's a whole other sermon that I've already written. It's just not time for it yet. But we are pursuing a fourth child, not a third, because Canaan was third, a fourth child. And I announced this to you guys a couple weeks back, but we are pregnant right now with number four. And his name is River Bain, because it's awesome. And there's a lot of meaning to it. But we are 10 weeks pregnant this weekend, and we would not be if not for Canaan, if not for feeling led by the Lord. And God, in his sovereignty and his awesomeness, even confirmed for us on Wednesday that we are on the right road and that this pregnancy will be different. One of our small group leaders, Chelsea Williams, came up to Brooke on Wednesday as Brooke and I are talking right out here on the couches. And she comes up and she's got this weird look on her face and she's like, Brooke, I need to talk to you right now. Can you go outside with me? And I'm like, oh my God, drama. And they go outside and Chelsea says, I knew, I felt from the Lord, 
I knew before you announced you were pregnant with Canaan that you were pregnant. What? And I knew that you would lose the baby. Whoa. And I felt like I was supposed to tell you, but I just couldn't. How do you go up to somebody and be like, oh, you're pregnant. It's going to die. God told me. So I understand that she didn't want to say anything because I don't know if I could have. And yet, immediately after that, she goes, and I knew before you announced on Wednesday that you were pregnant with River, that you were pregnant because the Lord told me this child would go full term and you would have the son that you're praying for. And I'm just like, why, why did you even tell her? God, but like, he's doing something and it's bigger than us and I'm just full of joy even though I don't understand. It's a mystery to me. Where has God not done something where you wanted, how you wanted, when you wanted? Do you realize if you just step back, hold it a little looser, maybe go back to the last thing he said, there could be something going on behind the scenes that is better than you can imagine. The last thing that maybe is good in all of this, that, I'm, that is my hope in all of this, is that because of all this has happened to us and because we're talking about it today, maybe some of you in this room will begin to pray for the first time in your life like you really believe. Or maybe some of you in this room that stopped praying will start again because God is good and he's faithful and he's got blessings on the way. I bet, I feel convicted some of you, when I asked that question earlier, what's the last thing you know he said, go do it, that if you would do that, you don't even know the good that God has. Like, it could happen tomorrow. It could be this week that everything changes. And God's just been like, oh, I've just been waiting for you to do what you said you were going to do. Can I get a popsicle? Just, just finish your dinner. It's still warm. Um... I got some other stuff that I want to say, but we're out of time, so I'm just going to wrap it up, and I'm going to invite the band to come up here. I'm going to close with a couple things that we maybe just need to remind ourselves, because this sermon, and just like pretty much every sermon, you don't need me for this. You have the source right here. But here's some things God wants us to remember when we're feeling like, where, God? Why, God? When? How? We need to remember, and you need to remind yourself, God hasn't changed. He hasn't changed his personality. He hasn't changed his mind. He loves you. He is here to bless you. James chapter 1 says, whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God the Father who created all the lights in the heavens. Listen to this. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. God has not changed. And he hasn't changed his mind about any of you, no matter what you've done or failed to do. He loves you. He's for you. He's been waiting to talk to you today about that thing that you're hurt over, that you've been confused by. Talk to him. Don't leave here without talking to him. We need to remind ourselves what Matthew 24 says, that God's word hasn't changed. Heaven and earth will disappear, but my words will never disappear. This book is reliable. You guys, read it. Spend time in it. There are answers for you. you. You can ask questions like, God, what am I supposed to do today? And you'll open to the page and the Holy Spirit will convict you. That's what you're supposed to do right there. You're just waiting for you to ask. 
And maybe the most important thing we need to remember today and be reminded of is that God's love has not changed. Psalm 118, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. Let all Israel repeat, his faithful love endures forever. Let Aaron's descendants, the priests, repeat, God's faithful love endures forever. Let all who fear the Lord repeat, God's faithful love for each of you endures forever. Never forget that. And if you can remember that and you can hold on to that, when death happens, when cancer happens, when she dumps you or he leaves, whenever any of that happens, you can remember God's faithful love endures forever. So it'll be okay. I'm going to heaven someday. It'll be okay. We're going to respond in prayer and we're going to pray about a couple things together. You can always take advantage of communion. I always expect you, if you have an allowance or a job, to bring the tithe. We're going to sing. And you guys know, I expect you to sing. God wants to hear your voice, whatever it sounds like, so sing. But would you either bow your head now, or better yet, grab that pen and paper, and let's just pray together about a couple things as we close. I read a quote this week, and it says this, Who we are in secret before the Lord that we are and no more. When we bow our heads in prayer, it's just between us and God. It's a secret place and who we are right now, that's all we are. We're nothing more. All you need to be today is honest. That's all God wants from you, just be honest. What is your Canaan Joshua moment that you need to talk to God about today? What's the pain, what's the suffering, What's the confusion? Would you just, again, go back to what you wrote down or write it afresh, but will you just own it? And will you just tell God, I'm hurt. I, I need healing. I need deliverance. I need a fresh perspective. Will you just tell God what you need today? The Bible says that God is waiting to answer your prayer if you will just pray. Just tell God what you need this morning.